1: Each Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, bizarre news items, and event of the week that I covered. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is attending and covering yesterday's AFC Championship game in Foxborough, where the Patriots defeated the Steelers handily. But for me, the highlight was watching Chris Hogan set a Patriots postseason receiving record with nine catches for 180 yards and two touchdowns. It truly couldn't happen to a nicer guy, since as some of you may recall, uh, last month I interviewed Chris Hogan in the locker room after his spectacular signature 79-yard touchdown catch from Tom Brady to beat the Ravens on Monday Night Football, and truly one of the year's top plays in all of the NFL, and I wrote a story on... NFL player engagement about his lacrosse, repeat lacrosse career at Penn State. Uh, And he used his fifth year of eligibility to attend Monmouth College, where he uh, played football there for a year, and then had stints with uh, the Dolphins 49ers, and then uh, landed with the Bills for a few seasons, and the Patriots brought him on this year. And he is truly among one of the uh, nicest athletes I've ever interviewed. Just a really humble, friendly, outgoing guy. And uh, to see him literally burst onto the national scene yesterday, he certainly uh, gave a, gave us an appetizer with that 79-yard TD catch to, to save the... Victory that was slipping away from the Patriots that night, and uh, but yesterday uh, he became the man. He was, uh, you know, just had a game for the ages, and it was just amazing how open he was uh, throughout the day. It seemed just finding those seams, those openings. Most importantly, he has clearly gained Tom Brady's trust. And, uh, and it was just uh, something to behold. Uh, and speaking of NFL player engagement, I attended a Steelers pep rally here in Boston on Saturday night. And uh, it was a great event. I grew up in the western Pennsylvania. So I thought it was going to be a great opportunity to uh, visit with Steelers nation on the road, especially for an AFC championship game. And it was, uh, packed lines waiting to get in hundreds of people. And most importantly, it was, uh, it was hosted by, uh, Tunch Ilkin and Craig Wolfley, former Steelers, uh, now do Steelers radio broadcasts. And, uh, did a live broadcast on Steelers.com, Willie Parker, uh, the great running back, number 39, who had a 75-yard run in the Super Bowl in Detroit back in the day, uh, about 10 years ago. Um, he was there, and all three, I spoke with all three gentlemen. They were all just terrific, interacting, mingling, mixing, and enjoying being with Steelers Nation on the road. And, uh... It was just a spectacular uh, evening, to say the least. And uh, so I wrote a story on that. And that is also now posted at www.nflplayerengagementoneword.com. So, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, an amazing game to watch. Uh, the Patriots just came out ready. Uh, you know, my low light of the week. As a follow-on to all of this was just that Le'Veon Bell was injured. Uh, he's just such a unique running back. I was so excited to watch him play in person, and you know he's uh, he just can't seem to get through the year, any year, uh, uninjured. It's just not his fault. Just sad, um, and. What I most wanted yesterday was was a classic, and you know that didn't happen. Uh, and it just felt like uh, you know the air went out of the Steelers with good reason, to a degree, with the uh, Le'Veon Bell leaving the game. D'Angelo Williams played well. I mean, he's in my mind the best backup running back in the league. He played well again yesterday, as he always does. Uh, but, you know, he, he's not Le'Veon Bell, who just uh, gives every defense so many headaches with his running, his vision, his patience, his burst, and just as importantly, his receiving talents. And uh, so, what are you going to do? He, he gets hurt. He gets hurt. It was kind of strange being at the stadium where you really didn't know What was going on, uh, as often happens when you're in a game in person, where you just – suddenly it just felt like D'Angelo Williams was in the game, didn't really know why. A couple possessions passed, and then you started to get a sense that uh, things weren't right with Le'Veon Bell. And, indeed, that's exactly how it turned out. Um, But, you know, right now – but, again, hand to the Patriots. uh, Their offense – uh was dealing easily with the Patriot or with the Steelers defense. Um and, you know, led by Chris Hogan, uh and Tom Brady, of course, who won his record twenty fourth playoff win. Uh you know, they uh they handled business pretty easily. So again, um And it's also time to, you know, uh, give a shout out to the Patriots defense, which again played well yesterday. Antonio Brown was basically a non-factor by his standards. Uh, And so the Patriots are becoming the first team ever to go to nine Super Bowls. Both the Steelers and Patriots had eight, so the winner of yesterday's game was going to go to their record ninth, and it turns out it was the Patriots and uh fascinating to watch people like martellus bennett and chris long two acquisitions go into their first super bowl and how happy they were after the game martellus bennett dancing chris long uh just beaming and i wrote uh stories about both of them on nflplayerengagement.com as well so then the other game uh you know that leads into my bizarre story of the week, which was Aaron Rodgers and the Packers just completely running out of gas. Nobody expected it. A lot of people were picking the Packers. Nobody was really, truly trusting the Falcons, but they sure earned it yesterday. They just blew out the Packers. And uh, and so there you have it. The Super Bowl is set. Falcons-Patriots. Uh, Falcons offense in absolute high gear. And... Uh, I think the storylines are going to be, you know, some of them are going to be Brady going for his fifth Super Bowl win, which would make him uh, the only one with five. Of course, Montana and Bradshaw the only others with four. And uh, then the argument would truly begin in earnest as to whether or not he, Brady is the best of all time. It's already well underway, but winning five Super Bowls takes him to a, a level that nobody else has been to. So we shall see. Matt Ryan, someone I watch closely at BC, a mere 20 minutes down the road from where I'm broadcasting. Going to be interesting to watch him. I watched him play many times, so it's great to see him get to a Super Bowl. And we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, with A.P. Stedham, our college football expert and beyond. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now, just like the game itself you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show.
1: or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, and it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and A.P., how are you doing today?
4: Oh, John, how are you? Glad to be here.
1: Well, I'm doing good, A.P., still... uh, Still in the afterglow of attending the AFC championship game last night. A uh, little bit of rough weather, uh, nothing we couldn't handle. and uh, But, you know, it was uh, quite the game. Uh, the Patriots dominated. What else can you say? And, uh, and off they go to a record ninth Super Bowl appearance for them. And as I closed out the first segment, uh, you know, I was talking about the fact that Matt Ryan, uh, who I watched play down the road at Boston College many, many times, and who you know as well, uh, is going to be in the Super Bowl. And, and, you know, given his college career and whatnot, he, you know, finally has broken through. And I think it's great. He's, you know, great player and, and a great guy. And, you uh, and, the Super Bowl, uh, maybe not the one that people were planning on or necessarily even wanting, uh, above, say, Patriots versus Packers or Steelers versus Cowboys, whatever it is. But Atlanta's offense looks awesome right now; like they they could really put on a show, right? Oh yeah, they look dynamite, and I think it's a great
4: story to have a quarterback from Boston College opposing Tom Brady, and he had such a terrific year himself. So this is his chance to not only win a Super Bowl, but he can go back to Boston, and he'll be standing pretty tall if he wins that game.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, lots of stories emerging as they always do uh, the day after, and you know, one is that you know, Matt. Ryan used to study Tom Brady, you know, growing up, uh, you know, as a quarterback, he and many others want to emulate. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can't help but think, I mean, I remember vividly when Matt Ryan took Boston College to the number two team in the country and they were hosting Florida State uh, uh, here at BC in Chestnut Hill and uh, uh, Florida State. Ended up winning that game. And, uh, and you know, BC has never seen those heights again since that day. But I remember that weekend well. And, uh, you know, Matt Ryan, uh, he, you know, he, he was a worthy successor to the Doug Flutie legacy. Put it that way. I think you could make the case that behind, he was right behind Flutie as maybe their number two quarterback ever. and uh, And, yeah, again. It's just great to uh, see him, because he's had his playoff disappointments, as we all know. And uh, But boy, we're not seeing any of that this postseason, are we?
4: No, he, he looked on fire yesterday with all his receivers, uh, tight ends, Julio Jones and company. It looked like a 7-on-7 seven seven against that Green Bay Packer defense.
1: Yes, we had four touchdowns passing yesterday, uh, one touchdown rushing uh that you know shovel pass early in the game was a tone setter in my mind it just showed uh you know he was on top of his game to make that quick decision from about the five yard line he just threw a basketball pass so to speak right to uh sanu and uh julio jones ap now there's someone you know well and have seen many times in college who asked i Matt ryan many times in college and uh you had to be loving it. He put on a show yesterday.
4: John, uh, I can recall the first time I saw him practice high school football in Foley, Alabama. And that stiff arm was prominent then and all the way through college. And he, he, I, I quoted uh, on Facebook, I think, yes, I said, that's the best stiff arm I've ever seen from a wide receiver, and I, I haven't changed my mind.
1: Yes, I, I, I know you've mentioned that in the past, and it, it's kind of his signature move, and uh, yeah, again, you know, he has long been recognized as, you know, one of the top, if not the top receivers in the game, but, you know, we, know, we all know how it works. You, you don't really get to that position until you start doing it in the postseason, and now Julio Jones, as well as Matt Ryan and others, are doing it, so uh I mean, Julio Jones, I think, maybe has more to gain as, you know, perhaps stamping himself as unequivocally the top receiver in the game, you know, uh, depending on how things go in the Super Bowl. But it's nice to see. I know you have always spoken very, very highly of him, you know, as a human being.
4: He's always the hardest worker on the field. Uh, the first time I spoke to him, you could get a sense that he was playing for his mother. He he wanted to do something big for her and change her circumstances, and that was his entire motivation. And he always tends to business. He he doesn't need a lot of attention, and he kind of uh, steps back from that spotlight quite a bit. I mean, it'll be interesting to watch him this Super Bowl week, uh, next week when he has to face the media. and and all the encounters he's going to have with all the people from around the nation. But Julio's been training for this his entire life, and he, he always plays well in big games. He's always there.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's the mark of a true champion in my mind. Uh, and, you know, you would know better than anybody the big games that he played in, you know, for Alabama, which uh, includes some national championships, correct?
4: Yeah. Yeah, he he was in the, uh, when he was a sophomore, they went out to California and beat Texas. Uh, They didn't throw the ball very much that evening, but he had some plays. And, of course, during that season, he was fantastic. And, you know, for my money, I believe he's the best receiver in the NFL right now.
1: I think you might be right. And, again, many people have said it, but now that he's doing it on the grand stage of the postseason, Uh, you know, I think all of America is really, really starting to recognize it. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be great. And, uh, you know, and great matchup, like you said, Ryan versus Brady is one thing. Uh, the Patriots, you know, having, I, I, everybody was expecting a tough game last night. Didn't quite turn out that way. As I said in the first segment, it's a shame in my mind that Le'Veon Bell got hurt. I just wanted to see these two teams go out at it full strength, which they both were heading into the game. Uh, and, you know, I really was hoping for an instant classic. It didn't turn out that way. and uh, But, you know, hats off to the Patriots. I mean, they're just – it's every week, and I've been saying this on the show for a while. Every week there's just new records. <laughs> that they're setting and going for, and now we have first team ever to go to a ninth Super Bowl. Brady, you know, having uh, the most postseason wins, 24 uh, of anybody, a record, uh, with yesterday's win, and on and on and on. I can't. It's tough to even keep up with him.
4: Yeah, John, I was surprised yesterday. It was almost like he was having catch, because... Every receiver was wide open, and you just don't see that uh, on the NFL level. You you know, when you watch a BYU game maybe 20 years ago, they're running people all across the field, and everyone's confused. But this is the NFL uh, where you get to watch film, and there's a book on every team. And, uh, I mean, there's no Jerry Rices on the Patriots. They were wide open and making all types of catches and putting up big numbers.
1: Right, and the Steelers' defense is a Steelers' defense. You know, teams just don't typically do that to them, no matter what the circumstances. The secondary at times looked confused. Uh, I, of course, you know, was singing the praises of Chris Hogan, especially after interviewing him one on one in the Patriots' locker room uh, when he basically uh, announced his. Uh, Arrival to the nation with that 79-yard touchdown pass to, uh, to put the Ravens game away on Monday Night Football in December, and uh, but yesterday he truly once and for all burst into uh, you know the national consciousness, and uh, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy uh, as you heard when we discussed him, just as nice a guy as you ever see, and you know the cross player at Penn State went to Monmouth College for one year, got into the NFL, and and yesterday he really, uh, he, he put on a show, and he just seemed like he was so wide open throughout the day, be it the flea flicker, uh, be it the play where Brady, you know, had all the time in the world, looking, 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 and finally he found Hogan all alone in the back of the end zone for the first touchdown.
4: Yeah, John, it's going to be interesting. who, who claims him the most? Penn State, the lacrosse folks, or the, the Mammoth football team?
1: <laughs> I think Mo, I think Mammoth is probably fe- feeling pretty proud about now. And uh, yeah, I mean he is a, he's a unique talent, and you know, most importantly, uh, having been attending Patriots games for you know twenty plus years, uh, he has earned Brady's trust. That is that is not a given, not an easy thing to do. But he's he's done it, and boy, once you cross over into that territory, um, you know you're in for something special, and that's exactly what's happening with him.
4: Yeah, he's the go-to guy, and Johnny's not very impressive physically. He's about six one two ten, as I understand, and I don't think he's overly fast. But he's got good hands, runs good routes, and understands how to get open against those zone defenses.
1: Exactly, exactly, and he's tough. He's really tough. Uh, That's one of the things that has come across to me watching him throughout the year. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, you look back at these things and little did we know in the first game of the year when Brady wasn't playing and they go out to Arizona to open the season and it was Hogan. It's so easy to forget that it was Hogan who made the big catch to basically get the Patriots going in. uh in that opening game, in that opening drive of the year. And, you you know, at the time, it was just felt like sort of a footnote, like, oh, that's great, you know. Here's this new guy from Buffalo. (laughs) And, you know, fast forward, uh, you know, 16 games later, and uh, he's the talk of America today. He just is. You know, ESPN has been featuring him all morning with good reason. You know, he set a Patriots postseason record. Nine catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns, uh, just remarkable, and, and here we go. You know, the Patriots are just, again, uh, this run just gets more impressive with each passing game, and uh, obviously they have a chance for some serious history in two weeks, and, uh, you know, I think it could be a good game. It was stunning to see what the Falcons did to the Packers yesterday. I mean, I said yesterday, and then I heard it said today by more than one TV personality, you know, they ran out of gas. I, I think that's just what happened. They they just ran out of gas, period, the offense. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers specifically. In, in
4: the game when they made those drives and they couldn't convert, you know, they had the missed field goal and the fumble, so that kind of set the tone, and they were never able to recover. Um, I mean, they started pretty fairly well, but in that type of shootout <laughs> matchup, you can't not uh, score on two occasions.
1: Correct, correct. And you know, it, it's just hard to keep it up. Uh, you know, let's not forget that the team that came into yesterday's game with the longest winning streak of them all it wasn't the Packers, it wasn't even the Patriots or the Falcons; it was the Steelers they had won nine in a row and you know I think there's an element of they ran out of gas as well you know Packers and Steelers I, th- I think when you have to you know go down to these final games Patriots York, Steelers of course on Christmas Day beating Baltimore if they don't win that game they're not in the playoffs Packers have been on the edge since whatever week six or thereabouts and at I think it catches up with you very often. It's tough to stay hot in the NFL for more than eight or nine games, in my mind. Uh, especially when you start going up against the best teams in the playoffs, and so I think there was an element of that for both of those teams yesterday. They were both on the road, not a coincidence. And I, I and they just, uh, but you know, the two winners played well, but I think it combined a lot with. Steelers and Packers just simply running out of gas after you know a couple of months of every game they had to win basically.
4: Yeah, the home teams performed very well. They executed to perfection to start the game, and it put the pressure on those two visiting clubs immediately. And they just weren't able to uh, live up to you know the, the billing that it was going to be a, a tight ball game. I mean, I think most people were disappointed in them. The two games, uh, you know, if you ever, you're a neutral observer.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, you know, no question.
4: Two blowouts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was over at Gillette, you know, and I was excited. We got there early, you know. We are planning to go early, and then the way the game turned out went a little later than usual. But nonetheless, it was Aaron Rodgers so I was thinking, you know, be over at Gillette in advance of going into that game, but watching, hopefully, a great NFC Championship game, and it obviously didn't turn out that way. It, it made going into the Gillette Stadium a little early very easy decision, <laughs> but uh, to say the least. But yeah, it's uh, you know it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, again, these Falcons, you know, they, they've obviously flown under the radar uh, all year long. Uh, no pun intended, by the way, and uh, and. So, we'll see. I mean, you know, again, I think a lot of people assumed and probably wanted the Cowboys or the Packers to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, but it's the Falcons. And to their credit, they closed out uh, uh, the Georgia Dome, a facility you personally know very well from covering SDC championships and many other events there. So, it was nice to see them do that.
4: Yeah, what a poetic justice at the end. The Falcons were for years had their ups and downs and they end up on that high note, leaving the stadium and headed to Houston in the 51st Super Bowl and And I think that I think people are going to enjoy this Super Bowl because they're looking forward to Matt Ryan and Julio Jones against the Patriots. And as you know, Billlichick's going to try to take away Julio, which he he might Absolutely. But Julio can occupy a couple of people and now it's a question of will the other players, be relaxed and be able to execute and perform because you know that they're going to have their chances. There's no question that Julio is going to be double, maybe triple team, and the tight ends and the other receivers and the running backs, who are all very capable receivers, will have opportunities to shine in the Super Bowl.
1: Well, exactly right. Well said, AP. Uh, you know, uh, in trademark Belichick fashion, they certainly took... Antonio Brown away yesterday, didn't they? And uh, Sure did. And he going to bet uh, they'll be using some of those tactics for Julio Jones. Obviously, different types of receivers. But uh, uh, nonetheless, both super impact players. And uh, well, AP... Uh, Great talking with you on these championship games. Uh, Still lots of other stuff to get to. Uh, Why don't we take our break now and we'll get to some of the other things going on on the other side.
0: us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice
4: america trn
1: Welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and A.P. mixed in with... uh, uh, NFL postseason, not to mention college football playoff national championship, which you attended a couple weeks ago. And, uh, uh, we, this is the time of year when we also have all types of, you know, all-star games, what have you. And, uh, you know, you're going to be spending some time this week in Mobile, Alabama for the senior bowl. And I'm going to be spending, uh, this coming week down in Orlando where I'll be, uh, checking out some of all some of the Pro Bowl festivities and why don't we just start with the Pro Bowl to stick with the NFL theme uh as many of our listeners may or may not know uh this year the NFL has partnered with Disney and it's going to be much more than the Pro Bowl it's going to be a week full of uh, like a football festival a celebration of football uh again working with Disney's magic and uh You know, there's going to be everything from, you know, flag football championships to women's professional championships, uh, parade in the Magic Kingdom with the Pro Bowl players. Pro Bowl players are allowed to, are requested to bring their high school football coaches. There's a big women's uh, careers in football conference, on and on and on. It's almost at a Super Bowl level. Simply number of activities, but I think the a key theme is is that all week long on all the fields at Wide World of Sports inside Disney World will be all types of football activities. Like I said, flag football for youth, uh, and you know women's professional championship games. So it, it, it's exciting. I, I, you know, the NFL is all in on, uh, you know, really elevating the Pro Bowl and really turning it into, again, a week-long celebration of the game of football. Uh, I, I'm fascinated to see how it's all going to turn out, and I'm looking forward to being there.
4: John, it sounds like I should be there. That'd be a lot of fun, although I have this obligation with the senior bowl, but that'd be a great event to attend.
1: It is. It's just going to be non-stop AP. It's just going to be, you know, kind of dawn to dusk uh, activities, uh, again, centered generally around wide world of sports, but really throughout Orlando. The game itself will be played on Sunday night uh, at, uh, you know, Camping World Bowl, former Citrus Bowl uh, near downtown Orlando, in downtown Orlando. And, uh, you know, to be obvious i mean it's the pro bowl you know I, I talked about all the ancillary events around it but you know at the end of the day it's about uh the nfl's greatest players uh except for the two teams in the super bowl being uh you know uh in town for the pro bowl so the practices uh for the pro bowl are open to the public i mentioned the parade already at magic kingdom main street um so it's just really going to be, again, you know, uh, I think a fascinating week uh, and what a unique and great partnership of, you know, uh, Disney and, you know, the NFL uh, just putting on a show for basically a week. And again, it's, it's shades of, uh, you know, Super Bowl week in that just the sheer number of activities, the ones I've mentioned, A.P., uh, are just a sampling. You know, we would use need the whole segment to get through all of them, trust me. So, but anyway, the Senior Bowl, that is, you know, grown in stature over the years and has now just become, uh, I, I guess it would be safe to say, AP, that every, every person from the NFL who's not at the Pro Bowl will probably be at the Senior Bowl, right? And there's probably a lot of people going to be at both.
4: Yeah, correct. There's, it'll be anywhere from 600 to 800 NFL personnel, executives and scouts and coaches. Uh, the two uh, head coaches uh, commanding the teams will be Chicago and Cleveland. Uh, so the people in Mobile, they look forward to having this event and entertaining everyone and hosting, hosting the event. Uh, it's quite a, a spectacle uh, if you've never been and the hotel lobby is just jammed with people and all kind of conversations are being carried on and you're meeting up with people you get a chance to see once a year so it's it's um it's always something i look forward to and you can catch up with all these people from the NFL and and it's the biggest interview some of these players will have because if you think about it, let's say there's 800 NFL people, there's only 100 players. That's an eight-to-one ratio. You won't have that at the combine. You won't have that at any other uh, venue. So the Senior Bowl has an advantage when they try to invite these players to come down to Mobile, Alabama and, and perform in their weight and, and they practice every day. Um, and it's really... Uh, Fantastic thing, you know, to go against some of these players from around the country—guys you've watched on TV, maybe you knew in high school. But every every player who gets an invite, I think it's to their benefit to to, to attend because it's different than college football. They're they're going to ask you to do some other things, and that's where you'll be tested, and you can really improve your stock. And so it, it'll be it'll be great to be in Mobile, Alabama, this week.
1: Oh, yeah, and I th- I have a memory, AP, of reading a story a while back that, like, uh, you know, the hotel that you kind of referenced, I- I'm guessing it's maybe one main one that is right. just legendary as, like, the, all- the all-time networking and access opportunity <laughs> in literally all the world of football each year. Is that correct?
4: Oh, that's right. And they have Radio Row, and so you can, you know, be on the radio a little bit and meet all the people from the NFL and... Then at the stadium, everybody's out there. Some guys are up way up top, sitting by themselves. Some are always talking to different people. and Everybody has their idiosyncrasies when it comes to evaluating talent. So, yeah, that's quite the thing. But, John, I'll just tell you how much things have changed over the years. Uh, Joe Namath was drafted in December uh, at that time, and then one month later he played in the Senior Bowl. I think he threw a bomb to Bob Hayes, actually, so you <laughs> can imagine today if the draft was held before the senior bowl, you can get anybody to show up hardly.
1: Exactly. Bob Hayes, <laughs> the world's fastest human. Yeah. Uh at the time. That's great. And Phil Savage, someone who uh who you and I both have uh the highest regard for. I've met him once, you know him well. But Phil this is Phil Savage's baby, right?
4: Sure. Certainly is. He's the executive director and he travels around the country in between his other duties. Uh, as being the voice of Alabama football, the analyst, and he'll visit these different schools. I mean, he's got players in here from Bucknell, and he's got somebody in from a school called Tifton, a quarterback. He he scours the countryside to give these uh, players a chance. I mean, Carson Wentz was down here last year, so you know how that turned out for him in the draft.
1: Correct, exactly. Um yeah, well, as I said about Chris Hogan at the top of the show, it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I mean, clearly, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're much closer to it than me, but my impression is is that Phil Savage is probably the driving force in elevating the Senior Bowl to what it has become, which is, you said it all: six to eight hundred NFL executives will be there. People, and uh, and what else need you to need you say? And it's you know, it's. Unique to Mobile, Alabama, it's the you know it's put them on the map, so to speak, or the football map. Uh, you, you know, you just connect. You, Senior Bowl in Mobile, any football fan knows exactly what that means.
4: Yeah, I think John, the first year I believe it was was held in Jacksonville, and then it's been in Mobile ever since. And that's it's been you know they used to have the Junior Miss affair there, which they which they still do, but the, the Senior Bowl is the top priority for the city of Mobile. And, you know, Phil has partnered with the NFL and got them involved, and he does all these things for the players. He'll, he brings in a media uh, person to coach the players on on meeting with the media. He brings in a financial group to give them a lecture about their, their money, which is sorely needed. So Phil is very aware of what's required for these young players, something they must all the things they must learn before they enter the NFL.
1: That's great. So how many years approximately has the Senior Bowl been in Mobile?
4: Yeah, I think it's since 51.
1: It's oh, my 50, gosh. 50, wow. 52, yeah. Sure. That's amazing. All right, well, AP, good stuff. Um, still have a few more things to get to, but why don't we do our final break and we'll get to all of that on the other side.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Sports and medicine go hand in hand.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show.
1: Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call and expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, but before we get started, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is following up our discussion last segment. The Senior Bowl on Saturday from Mobile, Alabama, and the Pro Bowl on Sunday from Orlando. And uh, I think they'll both get us through uh, this coming weekend to the Super Bowl in two weeks, right, AP? I
4: think so. I believe so.
1: Yeah, you got to feed that. Uh, keep feeding that football to us throughout January, that's for sure. <laughs> and I think those two should served nicely. One thing about the Pro Bowl is you know, it's had its ups and downs but it always gets good ratings. Always, 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 right? Yeah, it's entertaining just
4: you want to watch the, and you get a different side of the players and yeah, it's fun. I always, I always enjoy like, watching it.
1: Absolutely, it's definitely something you, you, know, you, you tune into. Uh, uh, most sports fans and football fans do. Uh. So, one of our favorite topics over the past year or so uh, and I think it probably would have been about a year ago, may, well, a little less, but uh, from last February, satellite camps, college football satellite camps. Uh, we, of course, were all over Jim Harbaugh, kind of taking it to the next level last February, I believe, uh, down in Bradenton at IMG Academy when he held a satellite camp. There had been a few, but that one got everybody talking. And, uh <laughs> But it sounds like there was some news on the satellite camp front this week, correct?
4: Yeah, John. I, I think they, all the coaches, I don't believe they were too happy with Jim Har- Harbaugh's venture, going to all these satellite camps and making it r- tougher for all these coaches to take a little time off. So I think that, uh, that was settled, and you won't see any more of those down the road. So Jim Harbaugh had his fun for that one season or so, and that'll be the end of that that for college football satellite
1: camps? Well, he certainly maximized it. Um, you know, it. Uh, I mean, he held him everywhere, and uh, one of my lasting memories will be how he, you know, was wearing often when he'd go to various cities, like the jerseys of the city he was in. I have a memory of him doing one near Baltimore and wearing like an Orioles jersey and stuff like that. <laughs> it was just classic Jim Harbaugh. I loved it.
4: Yeah, he understands it's entertainment and he'll get attention. So he used it as, as, as well as anybody. And but other coaches, they weren't they weren't uh, on the same level or the same wavelength, let's say. And so they they abolished it. And it's it's too bad because I, I figured if he he wants to do that, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, more importantly, you know. The high school kids loved it. I mean, those kids showing up in places like Baltimore and all around the country, you know, and seeing him wearing like you know the kind of stuff that they would wear, uh, you know, makes him just unique as a recruiter. And uh, so, AP, let me ask you: so, it's your impression that the NCAA abolished these satellite camps? Is that is yes. that correct? Or yes,
4: yes, uh, yes. Wow. So that that's I. I, I you you take away they, they want to make everything the same it's all plain and instead of giving somebody a chance to show their personality they want everybody to be just on the same level and that's that's too bad
1: it is too bad i mean we loved the satellite camps yeah we we loved you know the debate that rose around it and uh you know i'm i'm sad to see him go uh and it's just too bad. Uh, so we shall see. Well, it's, uh, again, you know, college football uh, is into their, you know, their postseason games as far as all-star exhibition type games. And, you know, it's a great opportunity for, uh, you know, for these players to reap the rewards of their careers. And most importantly, these days, uh, you know, set themselves up for, you uh, you know, for the NFL draft. And, you know, just, just looking back here, it's kind of, you know, interesting to think about, you know, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, there may have been one or two others who of course sat out their team's bowl games to, uh, you know, to preserve themselves from injury uh, and to prepare for the NFL draft. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, you and I talked about this already. I think it was a gigantic story the minute it happened, and I think it's going to be a bigger story going forward.
4: I think so, too, because what you're going to have, is, it, that might ease on into the norm for these high-quality, all-star caliber players, and that's going to take away from the game of college football.
1: You know, I think it will. I really do. Um, do you know, by the way, just on that note, are Fournette and McCaffrey playing in any of these all-star games? Not Senior that Bowl? I know of.
4: No, they, I'm not sure if Leonard Fournette or Christian McCaffrey has graduated. Um, I know the Senior Bowl a few years back spoke to the NFL, and if you're a junior who has graduated, then you can receive an invitation. There was a player from Auburn this week that was a question mark, and the Senior Bowl doesn't get involved, they let the NFL do that. Um, that tracking but he was short of class or two and so although he received an invitation he can't participate so but that that is is an option if you graduate early
1: okay well that's interesting chris hogan would have filled that bill uh he you know played four years you know played at lacrosse played lacrosse at penn state before he graduated four years he was a red shirt and then of course took that fifth year to go to monmouth and uh I'd say that turned out pretty well for him. So uh, <laughs> sure just did. just one example, a uh, unique example, actually. And, uh, hey, you know, speaking of unique, uh, the Colts let go of Ryan Grigson, their general manager, over the weekend. And, boy, some of the tweets from current and former players, specifically Pat McAfee, the punter, were just uh, astounding um, in their – Glee of Grigson going, being let go. And then, you know, it's coming out more that he and Pagano, Chuck Pagano, the coach, really, uh, apparently, really did not get along.
4: Yeah, that's always the case when somebody's let go and somebody else stays, John. There's a strong difference of opinion, whether it's uh, about players or personality. But that's usually the situation. And apparently that was for the Colts, so the yeah. owner has to make a decision if he wants to live with that all that uh, you know heated discussion and and the tension um, you know amongst the organization and so he made it he made the choice, and the general manager came out on the short end
1: yeah, yeah, and then Andrew luck, of course just had surgery on his shoulder. I don't know that that was uh, uh, you know known in advance that that was happening it seemed to surprise everybody it did me so interesting times for the Colts I would say uh, we're going to see how that all turns out but uh, yeah critical time I mean they have to be at a point now where number one they're concerned about Andrew Luck number two they have to be saying like you know the time is now to capitalize on having Andrew Luck in what should be his prime
4: yeah they're trying to keep some continuity by keeping Chuck Pagano But I think that next year, it'd be wise for him to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Well, well said. And, uh, yeah, so, again, it's uh, always an interesting week with the bye week between the, uh, of course, championship games and the Super Bowl. I will say this for all of our listeners out there. New England is in a state of euphoria. Uh, They're not taking it for granted. Uh, You know, the Patriots going to another Super Bowl, uh, especially in the Brady-Belichick era. Um, You know, it's already just – it's gearing up. I think it's going to be, you know, next week when the teams arrive, next Sunday and whatnot, this Sunday I should say. uh, I think New England is going to be on hyper Super Bowl promo, you know. Promotion and uh, excitement, and uh, so it's going to be a fun week next week in New England. Uh, Not to mention this week, there's a lot of people already, you know, clearly making arrangements to go because uh, now, now it just seems it's about history.
4: Yeah, John, you don't know when they'll be, you know, ever be in that position again. Uh, So I'm sure that when somebody makes these decisions, there's some type of hesitation, but. If they ask me, I always say, look, you will not regret uh, going to some big event. You'll look back and say, why didn't I go to more?'"
1: Exactly right. Well, AP, hard to believe we're at the end of our show already. And uh, thank you again for your calling in and for your expert perspective, as always.
4: Well, thank you, John. It's my pleasure.
1: All right, AP. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time.